0: Welcome to X-Rated Movies. No, nope. Welcome to... <laughs> this is our sync clap.
1: One, two, three. Oh, I thought it was on three. Okay. We're going to do one, two, three, and then clap. One, two, three. <laughs> Close enough. The technology will sync it up.
0: Welcome to X-Rated Movies. I'm one half of your hosting team, Matthew Fisher. I'm the other half of your hosting team, Ryan Whedon. And we are two guys that used to date, and now we improvise in some <laughs> manner. That's right. Yes, and mm-hmm. you brought a prop today. I did, and uh,
1: audiences at home can clearly see that it's a deck of cards, but it's not just any deck of cards, Matt. These are the famous Brian Eno
0: and Peter Schmidt Oblique strategies cards. Well, I mean, of course, our listenership knows full well who Brian Eno and Peter Schmidt are. Exactly. We shouldn't, we really don't need, need to explain what these are, but just in case someone's
1: tuning in from Mars or something. <laughs> Mars? Where's that? <laughs> I wonder what happens there. If it's an exciting place. Is there sports cars? There? <laughs> I just wonder if it's boring or not. That's all. That's fine. whatever. we'll, we'll find out sometime. <laughs> but um, if you're tuning in from Mars, these are the famous prompts, they're creative prompts, right. So if you're stuck, you pull one of these cards and it sort of gives you an idea of how to move forward and they're very they're vague, some are a little less than
0: vague. um some are really obtuse. yeah,
1: so these are famously helped create David Bowie's low and uh also heroes they use the oblique strategies a lot for those actually the whole berlin trilogy Mm -hmm, mm tbh but yeah he he developed them early on like in the early 70s um and they're just they're yeah they're just a deck of cards that are like they're there to help you prompt you to do something
0: yeah so like what year did low come out Seventy-seven. Seventy-seven. I would say. Yeah. So, like, if Brian Eno left Roxy Music in seventy-two, seventy-three, they're about yeah. somewhere in that zone between those two. Yeah, between those two happenings, part of his musical exploration came this. Sort of developed off John Cage's I Ching, which right. gives you prompts. He kind of modernized it and multiplied it because I think the I Ching is only like twenty-one different variations, right? If, if memory serves. And there's clearly more than 21 cards in your hand. Plenty of cards here. So um,
1: I got these for Christmas this year. This is the official Brian Eno deck. Lots of fun. So what I'm thinking today for our opening banter, Matt, is that we each draw a card. Mm-hmm. We don't tell each other what the card says. We just try to have a conversation. But each of us is referencing
0: our own card. Okay. Okay. I and like then it. We'll reveal what the card is at the end. I mean, the beauty of, of this is that it, while it seems like we're just making it up as we go, the decisions that you make in situations like this are very revealing sure and like that's the the beauty of, of these sort of prompts is that while it seems out of your control your reaction to it is in your control exactly and they're abstract enough that it could mean anything
1: so I'm just gonna I'm gonna give you the, I'm handing you the deck okay Matt and you just pick whichever card speaks to you
0: I think you're wearing a nice outfit today, Matt. Uh, Well, thank you. As you know, my home is a a secure place for me. Much like that Julianne Moore movie we saw where she never felt this way. Oh, okay. But I do feel this way in my home. So it's good to be complimented in it. That's wonderful. Um,
1: I... Felt like that was a movie I could talk and say nice things about all the time. Okay. And uh, I also feel like I could say nice things about your home frequently if I wanted to. I feel like you're being very complimentary to a different player here. I'm just trying to
0: not always say mean things. (laughs) Okay. And this is making me feel secured and locked in to the task at hand is that is that a good thing i believe it is a good thing yes okay
1: good yeah okay
0: well i support that (laughs) are we gonna guess what the other person's card was at some point (laughs) yeah let's do it now yours must be being complimentary in some way uh in a way it says be less critical more often oh okay so mine says, define an area as safe and use it as an anchor. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that came across. Yeah. I, I was like, yeah, but I, I like it. I like it. Let's try, try, it again. It again. Let's, try Let's try it again. Try try it again. again. <laughs> you pick first this time. Okay. Okay.
1: Are we recording? I just want to make sure we're not
0: just having an off-the-cuff conversation. Uh is your card to act coy and aloof? <laughs> Boy, you know, I watched that movie The Lost City of Z yesterday and, oh. and uh it's really appropriate for the mindset that I'm supposed to take right now. I see. Okay. So you're 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 grasping out there. This must be a, a really heady card a real conceptual one i was just trying to find a way to add a 9-11 joke
1: in there um am really trying to push the limits of what we can do here uh oh, okay uh, maybe i should start making fun of retarded babies or something <laughs> wow r word coming out hard can i not oh
0: should i not say that uh well, I mean, part of this is that we are supposed to to break new grounds and get out of our comfort zone right and, right, right and and expand as people mm-hmm. a never ending exploration you know you're in therapy of course these days, and i of course mentally, I'm like a you know a a Lamborghini <laughs> you know, okay, they might need to tune up every once in a while, but uh sure, sure sure, you sure. know we're. Expanding as humans. The okay. universe is expanding, never ending. Is yours like, look at the bigger picture or. <laughs> Mine's not really instructions as it is just, <laughs> this is it.
1: <laughs> just be yourself, talk about your brain being a Lamborghini. Does the card say, talk about yourself like a Lamborghini? No, it's just not. Does yours say push boundaries or something yeah kind of does it
0: (laughs) yeah mine says where's the edge where does the frame start (laughs) (laughs) so mine is once the search is in progress something will be found (laughs) (laughs) oh so we're doing it that's what that one was yeah okay i was like okay okay you think you got one more on us i got one more yeah a solid trip tech here these are fun these are fun i (laughs) like these okay here you go first okay okay yeah you like yours yeah mine's good yeah, yeah. all right you, you go ahead and start you go ahead and
1: start i'm really excited to record this podcast episode with you you know what i say to that <laughs> and he's leaving the room <laughs> he's leaving the apartment we're done this podcast is over <laughs> wow <laughs> Did you just say just get
0: up and walk away? Go outside. Shut the door. Wow. Well. <laughs> uh, you can keep going if you want,
1: but I feel like mine was sort of one note. Mm, yeah, we're done. We're done with opening banter. I'll reveal mine later. I'm going to try and keep it going through the whole house. <laughs>
0: okay. Okay. cool, cool, cool. Cool. <laughs> Fun. Improvising's fun. Improvising can be fun. And today's movie happens to use improvisation. What? A little movie called Waiting for Guffman. I feel like this podcast was meant to have Are you supposed to add waiting? L's to things? Is that what your card said? <laughs> we were gonna do this episode at some point, right? Uh I think so. I hadn't watched this one in a while. Probably, you know, ten, maybe fifteen years. I think it's been longer for me, yeah. But it always kind of stuck with me, and it's Pride Month, and I know that this isn't really classically like a gay movie, mm-hmm. but I kind of wanted to stick the old Pride flag in it, because quirky St. Clair, man, he's as gay as they come, and God damn it, if he isn't living in some ways his best life. Uh, I began to realize, I guess, that the theater was still in my blood, and what I had to do was make use of that, so... I offered my services to the high school here and they accepted and I began to teach drama and within about six months I had formed the Blaine Community Players.
1: So there was a period of time between when this movie came out and when I actually saw it where every person I met asked me if I would seen this movie. Oh, really? I feel like, well, I was, I was doing a lot of theater at the time. Oh. So like, you know, theater people watch this and they make lots of jokes. I'm like, oh, have you seen Waiting for Goffman? And it was like, goddammit, no. And then when I finally watched it, there was a part of me that was like, do people think I'm quirky? <laughs> <laughs> but I enjoyed it a lot then. I've liked it a lot since. I mean, maybe I'll come back to this, but I just want to like, say right now, my favorite part about this movie is that it's so warm-hearted.
0: You know, I was just thinking how when I was watching, I'm like, this movie just kind of feels like a big hug. It's making fun of its characters, but it loves them still. It does, and it also sort of appreciates how hard it is to mount even just a, a small community theater Seriously. production
1: of something and you know what that was a pretty good production i'm just gonna <laughs> say
0: it. i liked it the acting was a little off but you know i mean honestly this is like a elementary school production <gasps> play. <laughs> like if How we're dare you judging it in the grand scheme of things here what is this podcast turned into <laughs> are we just judging mcjudgersons over here i feel like your your cards had to do something wrong continuously <laughs> yeah you're getting warmer okay. you know so all right i i was thinking about while well, watching this the other christopher guest things and you know of course the big one is this is spinal tap he didn't direct it rob reiner directed right. that one but he was nigel tariff tarfin i don't remember their names but yes lead guitarist for for Spinal Tap and this is Spinal Tap I always associate that movie with Christopher Guest so yeah yeah Yeah. it's documented someplace I didn't look it up but it's like something like 206 separate bands believe that they did something that directly inspired a bit in Spinal Tap oh wow and with Spinal Tap like they're clearly making fun of metal and metal culture But nonetheless, all these metalheads are like, oh, they got that from me. Yeah. Like, even though it's making fun of them, they're owning, like, whatever foible is in This Is Spinal Tap. Right. And I feel like this is the same thing for, you know, theater people or, you know, small town folk. Like, even though it's making fun of them, you almost want to own what they're making fun of. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's kind of what makes it endearing. And you, you like the people in it. Oh, yeah they're genuine you
1: know Mm -hmm. they love what they're doing there's no sense of like irony about it
0: yeah like you you get the sense that they are doing it because they just love the act of performance yeah
1: like Eugene Levy's character specifically he's like I just I'm gonna try out I'm gonna try it (laughs) and it turns out he loves it so much that like that changes the trajectory of his life (laughs) he learns that he has talent (laughs) (laughs) he's doing booby made a kishka (laughs) For old folks in Florida
0: now. Yeah, that's that's an awkward scene. <laughs> my bully made a kishka. She
1: made it big and fat. My Zeta took one look at it and said, "I can't eat that." Oh, mama, 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 oh, mama mia, oh, bye.
0: Corky St. Clair, he's on my team. I want to have him on my team. Oh no, he's straight. <laughs> he's married to Bonnie, remember? <laughs> yeah, Bonnie, who's never seen of or seen in the whole movie. No one in the town has mm, met her. Yeah, maybe that's why he's having so many problems with the show. I know, you know, uh, he he's
1: he's got a wife. I guess she's out of town, uh, because I, I haven't seen her, and I've never seen her. So you know, that's that could be the problem. You know, maybe she's just not supportive.
0: You know, I was just thinking, this is a movie made in '95, released in '96. Christopher Guest is playing gay for laughs and like, Oh God, that's dangerous water. (laughs) Danger, danger. 24 years (laughs) later,
1: but he does it really well. I think it's because he doesn't look down on Corky. Like he gives Corky a sense of pride. Yeah. Like not in his sexuality clearly because he's in the closet, but that's society's fault. Damn it. (laughs) But like Corky is there to make a show. And he's there to do the best fucking show he can, even if that means asking this poor town for $100,000, even though they can only afford $15,000 for the whole
0: year. Yeah, for, like, all forms of entertainment. Yeah. Blaine, so, Missouri is a fictional town, because I looked it out. There, there is a Blaine, Missouri, oh. but it's not at all the one depicted. Okay. It's, like part of unincorporated vernon county in missouri so of course yeah shout out to vernon county residents (laughs) i mean if you're unincorporated missouri that means your population's like 30 yeah shout out to blaine yeah (laughs) missouri loves company (laughs) that's a fred willard joke that got cut from this oh damn it's really good (laughs) fred willard if we can just break down the players real quick Fred Willard is the master of dad humor.
1: Give it your best shot, which won't be the first shot you ever gave. (laughs) Hope it doesn't leave Corky numb like most of them. It's like pulling teeth to get a discount from him. Hey, why don't you give some caramels to the little girl? (laughs)
0: Future customers know. This is so many rapid-fire dad jokes. (laughs) But damned if Fred Willard, like, the way that he delivers them, it's that authenticity you feel like he thinks this is funny. He just funny. does it all the time. Yeah. yeah.
1: Or like when they're doing the like uh, cast bonding exercises, and he's like playing the, you know, he's like dancing around, dancing to the conga, and he puts the like scarf around his wife, mm-hmm. and he puts mm-hmm. him on Parker pose, and then he goes up to Eugene Levy, and goes ah, nah, and then like he thinks that's the
0: funniest thing.
1: <laughs> also, fun fact: Fred Willard was in a movie that you may or may not have heard of called Scouts Honor Badge to the Bone. Oh which also starred Chris Catan. Not recommended, but uh, if you look closely at the credits, you might recognize someone in the sound department. Real close if you you gotta get the magnifying <laughs> glass out but it goes the by name pretty is there, fast, but it's there. <laughs> Just wanna point that out. So if anybody
0: wants files of Fred Willard saying things, <laughs> I have the audio files. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've kept on to those Hollywood memorabilia. <laughs> yeah. Fred Willard saying, check, check, one, two. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, so his character this time around I was
1: like, what a jerk. Like, he's so mean to Katherine O'Hara. Well, are you, are you referring to the Chinese restaurant scene? What, uh, just in general. Like, the part where she's talking about how, like, Ron will have extensive. You know, hour, two hour sessions of notes for me. And well, it's so helpful. Lately, it's notes even, for both of us. No, it's but just lately, that you get
0: most of them.
1: He's trying to help me to change my instincts or at least ignore
0: them. And I'm just like, oh. Well, because they go to that Chinese restaurant. She gets drunk and starts making a scene a little bit. <laughs> that seems, that seems, I laughed. I forgot about the
1: part where she goes. Yes. Talk. What's it like to be with a circumcised man? I forgot about that. And I laughed. Very loudly.
0: Catherine O'Hara says that with Christopher Guest movies, like you have to go to the dailies. Oh, okay. Because you improvise for 80 hours and then about 91 minutes of it is what becomes the movie. Right. And so if you don't go to the dailies, then you miss 95% of what was filmed. You're like, what's my character? Yeah. (laughs) And I guess in that specific scene when she's like playing drunk, like she starts breaking a little bit and the, camera turns to Eugene Levy and his wife and she said that because she was about to break she just ducks under the table. <laughs> <laughs> because she didn't want to like ruin that cut. She's uh-huh. like I delivered that line well. I don't want to ruin this one. <laughs> just going under the table. Oh, Catherine, O'Hara. We
1: are Catherine O'Hara stands here. Oh, hardcore. Well documented after hours and Beetlejuice, She's fantastic in this as a trampled blanche like
0: flower. <laughs> I want to say <laughs> You can tell here she's working on that ridiculous mid-Atlantic accent that, like, of course is on full bloom yeah. in Shit's Creek. That's but right. you can see little hints of it here, especially on stage. Like, when it's her drunk at the Chinese restaurant, she's just talking like a normal person. But when she's on stage and she's, you know, over-emoting, suddenly she's got, like, a little bit of an accent to her. I like that touch. So it's like... <laughs> There's a little show persona there with
1: her character. I don't want to jump to the show right away, but yeah, the first scene after like the music starts and the uh the beans guy does his little narration and they're like, We're a long way from Chesapeake <laughs> Bay or whatever she says, and you're yeah. just like, Oh. It'll be a sweet sight for these weary eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's that type of overacting that's like I don't know, I can't explain. It's like Yes, you're on stage and you should be playing to the back seats, but it's also like, Reed's so fake. Yeah, it's also like, the back seat's like ten rows yeah. back. Yeah, there couldn't be more than a hundred people at that no. show. But anyway, I was realizing watching this time, like, most of the my favorite, well, a lot of my favorite things from this movie I remember are the Catherine O'Hara stuff. Like, when she's talking about... You know, I want to try that less is more kind of acting, where you just, when you're talking to someone, you close your eyes, and then you look at them when you're not talking to the person. I mean, you open your eyes when you're looking away, but then when you talk to the person, you go like that, and you open your eyes, and then you look back at the person, but you never open your eyes when you're talking to them. Love that. I love when uh, during the first scene, when they're like supposed to be making a ruckus, when they're, they're like, oh, we're already in California. And she goes <laughs> <laughs> And I always remember uh, when they're doing the audition scene, And she's mouthing Fred Willard's lines as he's saying them. Oh, yeah.
0: Am I late? You! Surprised? How did you find me? I
1: have my ways.
0: The audition scene, like, it hits, like, that's one of those, like, near and dear things. Because, like, their choreography is so Uh under-rehearsed. They're cautious about, like, a step. Like, is this? Oh, yeah, yeah. And we're back in. Like, Oh, and they're wearing like the jogging track suits and I was just like oh this is just it's got small town written all over it and then when it's over Fred Willard's like do you want me to strike this? (laughs) Strike it? Yeah. Uh, We've done
1: a few shows for Corky before so we know all the terms already going in. How cool would it be though to see a stage version of
0: Backdraft? Just feel the heat. Yeah. (laughs) Then of course we have Eugene Levy as the the dentist turned leading man. And just, yeah, there's just an authenticity to the way that that he goes into these things. And he's he's the co-writer of of the movie itself. Like, oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, him and Christopher Guest co-wrote, which was like, I guess, like 10 pages of scripts. <laughs> I mean, now it's called retro scripting, if I remember correctly. Okay. Uh, where you have like a rough outline and then just make it up from point A to point B. And the mockumentary style, like, we're a little desensitized to it now because there's so many shows, you know, The Office, Parks and Rec, that sort of thing that, like, we're used to it now. But, I mean, there wasn't a lot of that kind of stuff in 1996. This is
1: the first one I ever saw. I saw this before. This is Spinal Tap.
0: Yeah, I did, too. And just remember being like, wow, this is totally different. I mean, there were movies, like, I think, you know, Jean-Luc Godard has movies that are, you know, mostly or largely improvised and things like that. But... To have like a, a a full movie like this, improvised like that's also like so, it's like mockumentary was still fairly new. There was a a couple mockumentaries before this, but like having it be this improvised was kind of breaking new ground. Yeah, uh, at least in America, maybe foreign films did it or something like that. But yeah, it, it was new territory. I didn't
1: know about it before this. So
0: most of the cast is Canadian, like Catherine O'Hara, Eugene Levy. Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara were on SCTV together. And so doing something like this, Christopher Guest was like trying to ring in cast members. He's like, of course, Eugene Levy, he co-wrote it. He's going to take a a role. Uh, We want Fred Willard to be in it. That was the, I guess, the first person outside of Eugene Levy to like, they called for a part. They're like, we're hoping to get Catherine O'Hara in on this. And Fred Willard said something, and he's like, oh, well, you know, Marty Short would be great for a part in this. And Christopher Guest was like, no. I don't want any known people in this. Oh, shit. If you look on Christopher Guest's Wikipedia page, there's a whole section of off-screen demeanor, because he doesn't like to joke. He's not like a fun, frivolous guy. He's like dour, as some people have described it. Odd. (laughs) And Uh, When asked about it, he he goes, I joke for a living. It's not who I am in real life. He's funny for the camera and then like never anytime else. Mm -hmm. I mean, I kind of like
1: that about him. Like he's sort of the opposite of like a Jimmy Fallon on SNL where it's like it's not the breaking of the character or the pointing out that like this is funny. It's like he's just like. Let's the character be the character, and the jokes be the jokes. And you laugh if you laugh, and you laugh if, or if you don't, then it's not funny
0: to you. And I appreciate that. I respect that. I think it's just odd, because, like, his, like, Corky St. Clair, like, in this movie, is so goofy and funny. Like, the illusion of Corky St. Clair is never broken. No. <laughs> that hair. Come on. <laughs> The bowl cut. Oh, boy. <laughs> but... It's fashion choices. Like, oh, it, it's just, just him dancing around, like, feeling the music yeah. and, like, working out the choreography, like, in his like apartment. The
1: jerking and push your chest down. The, the hip thrusting. Yeah.
0: Oof. And that's a good,
1: like, he's just, he's taking it seriously, but it, that makes it funny. Yeah.
0: So, then, of course, last person what? in this ensemble. How are we a half
1: hour <laughs> into this and we haven't even talked about Parker fucking Posey? <gasps>
0: not her greatest role I'm just going to say it but like I love every minute of her in this movie well yeah I mean it's not her greatest role just in that she doesn't have a lot of screen time but she owns every minute that she's on screen I love at the
1: end of her audition and she does the split. by the way her audition is teacher's pet I wanna be teacher's pet but she does the splits and falls over (laughs) and laughs teacher teacher I love you it's real like i i don't i'm not getting um what's her character's name uh bonnie st cloud or whatever it is. yeah i don't know like i'm not getting that i'm getting like a parker posey like oh i've fucked up kind of
0: thing but (laughs) but it works that's sort of the beauty of like the christopher guest mockumentary is how unpolished it feels sure when you watch a lot of mockumentaries like especially scripted ones even though they're supposed to have like a rough and tumble feel to them, they always end up seeming very produced, sure. very rehearsed. Like what we do in The Shadows, which I
1: love. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great movie, but it is it obviously feels scripted. Yeah. yeah. Well, they would have yeah. to have for to. that
0: one. Yeah. And this, it's like there's just some of the cuts and like inserts that like someone will be talking, and you can tell that they did like an insert of like someone thinking the camera was off. And, like, that's the take that they use. Mm -hmm. And it really adds a level of... I mean, authenticity is, like, the the word I keep going back to. But when was the last time you saw, like, Blair Witch Project? Uh, Not too long ago. A year or two ago. So the thing that stuck out for me is, like, especially at the beginning when they're, like, interviewing townsfolk. Those townsfolk really feel like townsfolk. Like, one of them is, like, being interviewed while, like, holding a baby. And, like, the baby, like, sticks... The hand in, like, the mother's mouth, and she's like, yes, thank you. (laughs) Like, (laughs) And I'm like, this just, it feels like real townsfolk. And, like, Waiting for Guffman gets closer to that feel of naturalness than most mockumentary features. Yeah, even more than other Christopher Guest movies, I would say. Yeah, probably. Like, Best uh, in Show, which I love, also kind of has a veneer over it It feels a little more
1: structured than this one does yeah which is funny because like it really feels like the plot of this one is like set up and ready to go i don't want to get off parker posey just yet to be honest
0: well no no. parker posey so back in our 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 parker full of posey episode 60 (laughs) you mentioned specifically how the image of her and the chicken wing on the grill oh. and her talking about how she'll always have a place at the DQ mm-hmm.
1: I guess I could just go back to the Dairy Queen you know they said they take me back I always have a place at the Dairy Queen
0: if I was directing this scene it would just be i just cut to like a brick wall with her in front of it you know melancholy being like well I guess I can just go back to the DQ And, like, that'd be the scene. There'd be no real joke. It's her fanning the chicken wing that really sells that scene. With her cigarette, too.
1: (laughs) Just, like, it seems real. It's one wing (laughs) on a charcoal grill, and she's just waving it away with one hand with a spatula and a cigarette in the other hand, and it's so
0: sad. I, I have a coworker who was born and raised in Missouri, Oh, and he told me, he's like, I know many, many women just like Parker Posey. He's like, that is an exact replica of like a 19 year old attractive girl in Missouri, small town Missouri. Oof. It's affecting. I don't know. It, it like, kind of is. Like, just the lone chicken wing being fanned because it doesn't even seem like the grill's very hot. I know. It feels like it's not cooking.
1: That's the other sad part. is like, oh, she's going to be out there forever. <laughs> I don't know. It really works for me. Like, the, the pacing of this movie this time around, I don't know what last time I saw it, but like, i was like oh things are happening much faster than i remember Hmm. maybe i was when i was younger time was different but like this movie like flies by for me because that happens when corky quits the show because he he can't have his hundred thousand dollars right
0: he's gonna go home and bite his pillow you're right he's uh he didn't want to deliver a stinky product (laughs) there's so much innuendo (laughs) In his speeches. I can't do anything with it. I need to, this is my life here we're talking about. We're not just talking about, you know, something else. We're talking about my life, you know, and it's forcing me to do something I don't want to do, to leave. To, to go out and just leave and go home and say, make a clean cut here and say, no way, Corky, you're not putting up with these people. And I'll tell you why I can't put up with you people, because you're bastard people. That's what you are. You're just bastard people. And I'm going home and I'm going to I'm going to bite my pillow is what I'm going to do. The city council seems pretty eager to actually like give him a little money for the show. They're like, yeah, whatever you want. He's like, I need one hundred thousand dollars. And they just start laughing, and then they talk about like their budget. I'm like, yeah, sounds about right. Like, do you think a hundred thousand dollars would even help the show? TBH. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously the production values would be greater. Okay. But uh, is that the problem with the show? <laughs> I was though say, I don't think that's the problem with the show. <laughs> Let's talk about the show because the
1: show is like the show, It's so meaty. It's like there's like my, so much there. I, the first time I saw this. I didn't really know we were going to see the show. I thought it was going to be like all about how we weren't going to actually see the final production. And
0: when it started, the glee that like swept over me was like, Oh, we get to see this. And what, what kind of sold it for me this time was like, even though I'd seen it before, I didn't remember how like the incongruity that Corky brings to the production because there's Johnny Savage, right? Who hit it? There's, Handsome, whoever that yeah. actor is, I can't. I, I, I looked him up. He he hasn't done like anything. Okay, but, he looks
1: familiar though. I feel like he was in a music video or something that I used to jerk off to. I don't know. Oh, maybe, but uh, I mean, that could be any of them. <laughs> he looks Some familiar Some soul though.
0: collective video. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but he no, he, he, good can't this, he can't
1: do he can't do the show anymore. He's supposed to be the young strapping person of the, of the thing. So Corky has to fill
0: in at the last minute. And I mean, did you get the idea that like he wasn't allowed to do it because it was too gay? Possibly because when but why would he let him rehearse all the way up until show night? Well, you know, you get to the line of scrimmage and, and you call an audible and you change the play. Mm. It's a football metaphor. I don't get it. <laughs> maybe the dad like learned he had
1: to put on makeup, and like that was the final straw or sure,
0: something. but you know when, when Corky goes to the body shop to like say, like get Johnny on board, and then he seems like, "How tall are you? six two really mm. Wow. Um, you can see the dad's like reticence towards all this. Yeah, he's got to like, I don't know about this. I don't want you hanging around with this. I mean, the weird thing about Corky being a small-town gay is like no one really seems to know or understand or question it. Maybe that was before
1: small-town America knew what gay was. They were but, just like he's an artistic type. But the dad
0: at the body shop, Johnny Savage's dad, knows the score, and right. was like, "Because he's going to truck this. stops
1: and, and oh.
0: yeah, yeah. 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 getting mm-hmm. one of those, mm-hmm. one
1: of, yeah, of, and then and then a burp burp. and then a whoop boop, boop. <laughs> and, a
0: burp burp. <laughs> and then a whoa." <laughs> so he's like, "I don't want a son of mine doing that." So <laughs> yeah, I, I always like when when Johnny gets recalled, I was like, "Oh, the dad must have gotten wind that this is just." too gay in, in in some fashion. Maybe it was the makeup part, but yeah.
1: That's one of my favorite lines, though, too, is when he finds out, he's like, and
0: that's the, that's the way it is? Then I just hate you, and I hate your ass face! It's fun to think that that was improvised. It's like, wow, good pull. It's also, like, we've all seen movies where there's, like, some... You know, hard nosed Hollywood producer like chewing out someone on the phone. Uh-huh. And then, like, this is his interpretation <laughs> of that. He's like one step away from, like, you're just a duty head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just the most softball insults. It's good. It's funny. <laughs> so, Corky St. Clair has to fill in for Johnny Savage and just. It's one of those things like, oh, this is why there's casting agents, because if you get the wrong person in a role, it really doesn't sell the show at all.
1: I mean, Wagons East, it's a little acceptable, but then the next one where he's doing the like the little child with the like the
0: spinny cap, the, the propeller cap, and he's like, here you are, Mr. Eisenhower, or whatever. Even in Wagons East, isn't that when they're like, you know, take your fella by the hand. <laughs> Guide him to the promised land. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, of course, the follow up is like, take your lady by the arm, take her out behind the barn. Like, oh, like, do something sweet and wholesome with your fella. Fella, go plow your lady.
1: <laughs> by the way, just real fast, I want to throw this in. Uh, one of the composers, well, the composers of the music for this are great because it's Christopher Guest. Uh, Michael McKean, Mm. who you've probably seen before. I can't think of anything he's been in, but he's very famous. Uh Sorry, Michael. Um, But then also the other person that wrote those. Do you want to take a guess?
0: Did you look it up? The person who wrote the songs? Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. Harry Shearer? Boom. Good (laughs) guess. So so the other person from Spinal Tap. (laughs) Also, a huge... Simpsons contributor. Of course. Mr. Mr. Burns, Burns the Smithers, Smithers, Kent Brockman.
1: Yeah. Um, he does tons of voices.
0: And uh, I just thought that was a fun little fact. So it, I think it's, it's the first song like the you know, <laughs> when, when they, they stop thinking that it, uh, at a campsite and they think they've reached California and Catherine Harris, is like that'd be a sight for these weary eyes. <laughs> How high Ridge <laughs> I could not tell. Uh, and then they do like the hoedown and like the music is like the most like Aaron Coplandy rip pretty off pretty but they do cuts to the audience and they're just enthralled they're eating it up they love it they are immersed in the illusion they're like this is
1: our town
0: <laughs> this is our history but that's also when Corky's like everybody dance and <sighs> he can't like like he's he introduced couldn't... as like
1: he's chasing Parker Post and he's like
0: yeah Oh, there'll and be she... plenty of time to kiss in California. <laughs> He's like, ah, give me a kiss, you fair maiden. <laughs> I don't know. And part of my heart like aches a little bit for those like small town gays that like cannot play straight. Like some of us just can't do it. And Corky Saint Clair is one of them. Like it, just, you just see it a mile away. Except a... for these townsfolk. <laughs> no
1: one of them uh, who plays I, can't, I always think of him as Busy Bee from uh, Best in Show where he's like you get Busy Bee, you find Busy Bee. he's like Parker Posey's husband I can't remember his name Michael Hitchcock he's in this movie and he's like a townsperson and he wanted to audition so
0: bad uh, but he couldn't cause is, he, is he the one that Johnny S- Savage tried to uh, steal the stamp machine from
1: I for one am very glad to see that, that Johnny Savage dropped out of the show because uh, a couple of years ago he came in the drugstore and he tried to steal my stamp machine and that kid
0: is no good it's that guy right yeah 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 yeah.
1: Uh, but he just like he loves Corky he's just
0: like oh he's electrifying (laughs) like I can't get it up yeah there's there's a viscera to his appreciation for Corky he can do everything he can sing he can (laughs) dance he can direct he can produce the only other person who can do that is Barbra Streisand and at the end he's like screaming like (laughs) Corky 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 Corky
1: Corky! Uh, he's picking up on some Corky vibes (gasps) yeah yeah so Yeah. Um I don't want to get too far away from the show because the next number is my favorite number.
0: Which one? Stool
1: boom, <laughs> everybody <laughs> from the, the pool room. In the center of the <laughs> boom! Everyone
0: knows our name. Last week and I said that we were doing this, your reaction was like, oh, okay. And I was like, oh, I thought he'd be a little bit more excited about this. And then like we hit stop and you were like <laughs> there's the stool rules <laughs> and like you started like singing and like riffing off and I was like this is the reaction I wanted on pod <laughs> sorry
1: <laughs> but c- can I just do a real quick uh, rundown of the lyrics for stool oh, boom please cause they're so choice <laughs> By the pool, in the school, by the fires of Yule, it's the rule, there's a stool, stools are where, once upon a time you'd find a chair, a chair's for fools,
0: everybody wants stools. (laughs) Little backstory here, Blaine, Missouri, their claim to fame is that someone gave President McKinley... The last president of the the eighteenth, the seventeenth century, I think he was assassinated, wasn't he? <laughs> oh, maybe yeah. Teddy Roosevelt took over for him. Yeah, M- McKinley was the uh, the last president of the nineteenth century. Yeah, he, I think he was only president for like two years or something before Teddy Roosevelt took over. And Blaine's claim to fame. Oh, that's good. It's not alliteration because it's not the. It's close, though. Yeah. Is that someone in the town gave McKinley a stool (laughs) that that he had made, and McKinley liked it so much that he wanted more so that he could give it to dignitaries and whatnot. And suddenly there was a stool boom. boom. That's why Blaine is the stool capital of the world. Which is funny, because
1: stool is also, you know, poop. (laughs) But I just Uh, love that song. Like... (laughs) Working, working building, building never, never stopping sleeping, never sleeping, sleeping working, working making
0: working, some, some for selling some, some for keeping for <laughs> but they're just like this is what put Blaine on the map and maybe it's like this is my privilege speaking but I've never lived in a city that wasn't on a map <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like wow okay this well is- like
1: you're a, you're a, you're a AAA member you're taking a road trip and you're like oh we could take this way or we could take this slight detour through through the stool the capital, capital of the, the U.S.
0: <laughs> Let's check out Blaine. <laughs> and, you know, it, like this is the small town pride bit that I'm just like, you know, I know they're making fun of it. But there's also a billion small towns out there that like take pride in like whatever put them on the map a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. It's the <sighs> best song. Like you can tell that Corky cares. Yeah, that probably is the best song. Or Bob Balaban's character. I'm not
1: sure who wrote the songs
0: exactly, but... <laughs> yeah, Bob Bal- Bobby B. He's uh, a musician, and he shops at Walmart. <laughs> he doesn't even support the town. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the choreography in the Stool song is also really good, but I do like In a Penny for Your Thoughts, where when <laughs> Parker Posey just starts kicking. Yeah. I'm like, th- th- none of this song requires this kicking, but... It sells it. A
1: penny for your thoughts.
0: A dime for your dreams. (laughs) I always
1: thought the ending of that was really funny when they did the, like, bend over, touch your toes Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And Corky is kind of struggling to (laughs) get there. I just want to re real fast, like, Stool Boom. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a curtain dropper,
0: right? <laughs> I know that's, we, we that's argued about too.
1: <laughs> we argued about this a little bit at the end of Little Shop of Horrors, right? But uh, just we're both on the same page here, right? Yeah. that's a curtain dropper. Yeah, stool
0: right? boom, curtain drop. Everyone goes out for more drinks. Okay, more, just more more punch in the high school lobby. Great, we're on the same page. Okay, cool. <laughs> so then then, we then, then penny of course they cuts. come back for nothing happens on Mars. <laughs> 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 nothing ever
1: happens. Hey they cover the thing we talked about earlier
0: <laughs> uh, yeah according to the song there are no sports cars on mars
1: my favorite part of that song is just how it
0: ends <laughs> Corky and Parker are sort of in sync in it, and then it cuts to Fred Willard and Catherine O'Hara, and they're out of sync. (laughs) (laughs) But that also has my favorite line from Catherine O'Hara. I've heard of Mars. Where's that? And she looks like fucking Kate Pearson from the B-52s,
1: which is really funny. Oh, this time it struck me because the scene before when they're in the, like, uh... Like, during Penny for Your Thoughts, it shows Catherine O'Hara and Fred Willard, and he's, like, making her fuck with his hair a bunch. Oh, he's like, yeah, Make get this. the and curls. And she's like, I have to get myself ready. And he's like, well, you know, get me first, then you can do you. And then they come out, and he's wearing a hat.
0: <laughs> Bad theater flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the way that Catherine O'Hara is decked out in the the nothing happens <laughs> on Mars scene is just, it's, she could, she could be a stunt double for Kate Pearson. Seriously, the wig is huge. It's like it it's got that that you know, the higher the hair the closer to God <laughs> feel to it. And then it's just the 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 color blocking of like the skirt and the white top and like she just has a wide stance. I'm like, "Wow, she's taking up a lot of space." <laughs> and they do that wonderful thing where like they're looking to the back of the stage, but every time they deliver a line, they turn around right. and face the right, stage. Right. Right. <laughs> stuff oh god i cracked up so much during the, i mean the show itself
1: but yeah we should mention i guess we haven't mentioned this the whole title of the movie is that they think that a big wig critic from new york city Julia. is going to come and review the show to make it, maybe bring it to broadway mort
0: guffman the titular guffman right
1: and they leave a seat in the front row open for him and eventually someone sits there they don't sit there before the show starts but they sit there and so they all think that's mort but after the show is over, after the big Red, White, and Blaine number, <laughs> which nobody sings in. Also, not my favorite musically,
0: but yeah. it's okay. It's very Sousa-esque. Sure. Um, I mean, all the songs were a little derivative, but that's not what we're here to judge. Corky goes out and is like, you must meet
1: the cast. Like He brings the guy back, and we find out it's not really Guffman. It's Leroy McGillicuddy. (laughs) Uh, I think there's some mistake. My name is Loomis, Roy Loomis. I'm down from Deming. So the cast is devastated. Yeah. Because they really thought they were maybe going to go to Broadway, which made me think that, like, oh, this is sort of a uh, theme of Christopher Guest's in a way. Because if you think of, like, um, for your consideration, it's kind of the same plot. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Oh. Well, the idea is very similar because they're making this movie – it's not Passover. It's Purim. Home for Purim. <laughs> okay. There we go. That's even better. That's, um, that's good. That's good. And the cast gets wind that like they may be considered for an Academy Award for this. Mm. Um, and so everybody starts like upping their game and feeling like they're doing this thing that's like going to get attention that it wouldn't normally get. And yeah, just watching Waiting for Governance, I'm like, that's kind of the same plot as as that movie. Not that that's a bad thing. I like for your consideration. Maybe not as much as this one. This one seems a little more pure. That one seems to hate on its characters a little more. Oh, okay. Which is okay. This one just seems genuinely affectionate towards it's small town folk who just want to
0: perform. Yeah. Like that is like, because while I was watching, I was like, how is this just not like big Hollywood folk making fun of small town USA, you know, or Napoleon dynamite again, where you're like, just making fun. Look at these shitty people. (laughs) Sure. But to me, there is sort of an affection for these people who, you know, are talentless, but whose dreams exceed their grasp and love just performing in front of a live audience and... Not everyone can be a Broadway star, so there needs to be or there should be an outlet for people who don't make it big. And obviously the town loves these performances. Oh, yeah. They think they're
1: fucking brilliant.
0: And so, I mean, isn't that what entertainment is? You find people who find this entertaining and you entertain them? Yeah, Like, that is, like, the nature of show business. And so, I don't know. By the end, I was like, you know what? The people who who come to see them find them entertaining – the people putting on the show find joy in that this all seems wonderful to me. Yeah.
1: Even Parker Posey, who like goes back to working at the DQ after the show, she doesn't seem too upset that it didn't, that it didn't end up going to Broadway. She's just like, yeah, I'm glad I did it.
0: So big question for you. Oh, okay. Is our podcast just, the Blaine. I, sesquicentennial. sesquicentennial show. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We're just up here we're doing just two the people stool enjoy, song.
1: enjoying uh podcasting <laughs> for the sake of podcasting. <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't know.
0: I'm fine with that though. I was gonna say if you were stuck in in just a loop of having to put on, like 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 if you died and your purgatory was rehearsing and performing the Blaine sesquipentennial show. Uh Like, would that be so bad? Sounds kind of fun. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I'd, I'd I'd be part of that gig. These
1: people are all genuine. They're doing their best. They're having fun. I don't ask a whole lot more than people just being themselves around me. Sure. And if you're pleasant, then that's good enough. (laughs) Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was watching this. I was like, Oh God, this is us. (laughs) (laughs) But by the end, I was like, you know what? That's fine. Totally fine. The audience is happy. The performers are happy. Isn't that what show business is about? Yeah. Because we're, of course, in show business. In a way. In this business they call show, you must have the heart of an angel and the hide of an elephant. (laughs)
1: do you care to guess what my card is well it was clearly
0: adding l's where l's don't belong you think the card would say that well no but it's got to be like pick something to mess up and always mess it up not bad honor thy error as a hidden intention okay yeah 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 I like you, Oblique Strategies, by the way. Yeah,
1: well, this is a this is something we'll revisit.
0: Yeah. Maybe we'll just draw the cards, like, after banter. Okay. And do the podcast without revealing the cards. But let's not
1: tell the audience until the episode is over that exactly. we've done that. Absolutely. Mm. I like it. Oh, keep things spicy. We're mm-hmm. spicing this mm-hmm. up.
0: Mm-hmm. Any other Waiting for Guffman things you want to talk about? Um... No, I don't think so. I think I covered everything. I mean, this is only like an eighty-six minute movie, and so I don't want to talk for an hour about eighty-six minutes worth of movie. I mean, most
1: of my most of my notes are just quotes from the movie. But I will say one thing I wanted to bring up. Did you notice the OK soda machine in the background of the gymnasium? OK soda machine. Yeah. Did you ever have OK soda? No. It was a soda that Coca-Cola introduced and was marketing towards Gen X people in the 90s and it was only around for like 2 years. So it was only okay. Well yeah, I tried it. It was okay. <laughs> uh but they tried to like make it sort of like what a like a suicide or a graveyard might be if you you know went to like a gas station or a fast food place with the fountain drinks and you could just put a little bit of everything in it. What did you call that? Uh, we did call it Graveyard. Also, p- some people called it Zombie. Okay. We always called it Suicide, but I've also heard Graveyard. So. Yeah. But I think that they they were trying to make a soda that kind of tasted like that. Mm. It
0: did not do well. So that wasn't a good drink. Like, mixing, like, Sprite and orange and lemonade and, and cola. Coke. Like, that um, wasn't tasty. Dr. Pepper. Yeah, yeah.
1: Nasty. But that's sort of what they were, like, uh, making the soda about. But I just thought it was still worth, like, oh, wow, they had a whole
0: machine where they were marketing okay soda you know I'm going to look on ebay like tomorrow okay and if there's okay cola <laughs> oh. available at a reasonable price I'm buying it and we're drinking it on the podcast you heard it here first it's got to be like under $20 a can though I'm not breaking the bank on this but okay well Matt do you want to hear what's
1: coming up next week now we're going to die someday <laughs> boy, I feel like you've told me that before I know, and I'm just this whole self isolation quarantine thing has made me realize like I've got a whole deck full of movies that I'm like holding on to for future dates, and I'm done doing that i'm ready I'm gonna play a big one. I've hinted at doing this before I've made a big pin out of it, but uh, we're doing time crimes, Matt. <laughs>
0: So you're not picking a Pride movie? No. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I, I mean, I can watch Time Crimes anytime. I so have, I don't have time for Pride. Pride. What okay. is Pride? Pride was canceled, Matt. Canceled. Pride Month wasn't canceled, Ryan. Just your paycheck was.
1: Come on. <laughs> you love this movie. You oh, inter- I do. I own you introduced it. this movie to me. Oh, did I? Yeah. Oh, cool. This was part of our original challenge. Was it really? Maybe for round. Maybe round two. But it was definitely a movie that you introduced me to. Okay. And I've uh, been wanting to do this on this podcast since episode one. Oh, yeah. Which yeah, was yeah. three or four years ago now. So I think, like, it,
0: I think it was an issue of like, oh, Ryan's going to pick it for the podcast, so I'm not going to pick it. Oh, but it was
1: on your list probably,
0: right? Oh, definitely. But I think like we both kind of just waited for the other one to pick it. Yeah. Well, I'm calling your bluff. <laughs> it's fine. We're doing time crimes, damn it. We'll find a way to work it into pride. <laughs> There's probably
1: something gay. Uh, anyway, it's a spectacular movie. Lots to talk about. I don't want to give a lot away, but
0: there's time travel. Okay. Time crimes. Let's plug our junk and get the fuck out of here. Go to our Patreon, patreon patreon.com slash xratedmovies. This content
1: is good, but our Patreon-only content is...
0: Go to our website, xratedmovies.com. Email us, x.rated.movies at gmail.com. That's where you can send us your impressions of
1: Jimmy Stewart asking for a blumpkin or just or a giving recipe. a blumpkin
0: hey just oh, 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 oh no <laughs> go to our facebook at rated x go to our twitter at
1: x-rated movies and if you have a moment to spare give us a couple stars preferably five on apple podcasts or whatever you're listening to and a review if you can We appreciate it.
0: I think that's the key to the Jimmy Stewart impression is like just imagine that there's a dick in your mouth and you're talking. Oh, yeah. Ah, That's the stuff. Keep waiting for that rainbow.